I got my eyes coffee. I got my eyes. All right, call me lazy, but I enjoy fair trade organic instant coffee. It's affordable. It's easy. And I don't need your judgment. Today's episode is brought to you by the word empty, containing nothing, having none of the usual or appropriate contents. Empty, when you look within and find it's nothing. It's always been my belief that the best writers are always the ones who are not assholes. Oh, hey, CN Efforts at CNF Pod, the creative nonfiction podcast, a show where I speak to badass people about telling true stories. I'm Brendan O'Mara. Pete Croato, author of From Hang Time to Prime Time, a freelance writer whose work has appeared in the New York Times, Grantland, RIP, GQ, Philly Magno, RIP is not a magazine, though I, though I imagine it is, but everyone who talks about Grantland says RIP. The Ringer just isn't the same. Uh, and he's, uh, Pete has also written for Pointer, as well as journalism-adjacent stuff like advertorials, brand writing, trade magazines. That's really how you make your buck. Not only is Pete a great writer and reporter, but he's an advocate for great reporting and great writing. A celebratory voice that, in my opinion... We can use far more of. Yeah, I ended that sentence in a preposition. What are you going to do about it? While I have your undivided attention, I will be moving my newsletter from Substack to Beehive. It's a more traditional newsletter delivery service in the mold of MailChimp or one of the other ones. Constant Contact. I don't know. I don't trust Substack long term. I have my reasons. I, I deleted my Rage Against the Algorithm newsletter on Substack. I, I still hold a... Uh, account, if you will, with Substack for notes. I, I'm probably going to divorce myself of that soon. So the newsletter, it's solely on the Beehive now. So if you've already subscribed, no interruption in service. Uh, but the way you need to sign up for it is to either go to rageagainstthealgorithm.beehive.com. That's B-E-E-H-I-I-V.com. Or go to brendanamera.com <laughs> for show notes to this episode blog posts, and to sign up for the Rage Against the Algorithm newsletter. First of the month, no spam. So far as I can tell, you can't beat it. If you dig the show, we're always looking for nice reviews on Apple Podcasts, so the wayward CNFer might say shit. I'll give that a shot. I don't know who Brendan is, but, well, I, I, oh, I see that he's spoken with David Grant. Oh, that must be cool. I mean, that's, that's nice. Laura Hillenbrand from way back in the day. I remember her. Brendan talked to them. Can't be a total idiot. Shout out to Athletic Brewing, the best damn non-alcoholic beer out there. Not a paid plug. You know that by now. I'm a brand ambassador, and I want to celebrate this amazing product. If you head to athleticbrewing.com, use the promo code BRENDANO20 at checkout. You get a nice little discount on your first order. I don't get any money, and they're not an official sponsor of the podcast, though if they want to. I just get points for swag and beer, give it a shot. So it was great to catch up with Pete because he's roughly three years out from the release of his first book, and believe me, it will be his first book from Hang Time to Prime Time. Sort of a real fun book about the NBA and uh, the watershed moment of when it went from 
one thing to another, one from relative obscurity to worldwide, world-conquering power. Uh, it's, it's just a, a fun toe-tap and good read. And Pete was in a conflicted headspace about uh, its reception and how writing one book doesn't necessarily guarantee you the opportunity to write another how thinking that the writing of a book will complete you and it's kind of like this end point or this end game and and and, and if, if anything it's just it, it the book does not make you whole ultimately the book is merely on the continuum of whatever your writer path is through this career it's definitely not like an a to z kind of career it, it is just all over the place. I mean, you go into different physical dimensions. It is not merely a two-dimensional journey. There's three dimensions. There is Z-axis shit going on. There is fourth dimension stuff going on. I don't know what I'm talking about. He saw it as an opportunity to learn, to improve, a stepping stone. As I say in this conversation, a book, uh, it's really just a, it's a great business card. Yeah, odds are we're not going to make a lot of money or any uh, from writing a book, but to say that you've got something like that, it's a great business card. I love talking to writers between books, so this was a really nice chat. And uh, I, I, I here's just a, a little thing. The I figure since maybe some people don't even know, I I tend to have a parting shot at the end of the show. I just assume. You know what happens when you assume. So I'm just going to say today's parting shot to give you a little teaser. It's just about writerly detours. And if you want to hang around, I'm going to talk about uh, writerly detours. And you can learn about what I mean by that by sticking around at the end of the show. But until then, I sure as hell hope you enjoyed this conversation with me and my pal, Pete Croato. <laughs> about it and I, I love the period in between books yeah I, I yeah it's funny I don't think many people don't really talk about the the in-between time I, and I think there's an assumption that you know well you write one book and then you're immediately on to book two three four five and what have you and you know as I've as I've done this longer that's there's that's not the case I, I think you know there are plenty of people that write one book and that's all they do and they move on to other things in their career or people you know, and there are people like, you know, the, the Mark Harris's and Jeff Perlman's of the world who, you know, write a book every two to three years. So it, I, I, everyone's different. And I think there's, you know, the thing is there's no, the, there's no right way to do this. And I think if, if this conversation can illuminate that, that'd be great. Cause I think people think, well, you know, I write a book and from here on, and from that point on, it's, everything's gravy and it's not, I mean, you still have to be flexible and be open to what, what comes your way. And, 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 you know, I think you, you need to not have these static ideas of, of what, of what's going to happen down the road because no one really knows. Yeah, it can feel like, especially for people like us who are primarily sports writers, or, you know, we like, that's the sandbox we like to play in the most is sports. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we look at someone like a, a Jeff Perlman, who uh, who seems to be able to chain smoke these incredible 
meaty, juicy biographies. And like that is a measure of success and probably one that you and I would love to uh, aspire to. But it could be that that is just the Jeff Perlman railroad track. And it's just like, you know, we have to kind of find our own in, in that ecosystem. No, I mean, that's, you, ha- you have you absolutely have to. I think, that, again, if you you can certainly take inspiration from 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 riders and how they work and what they do and, and their approach. But the minute you think, well, that has to be my path. That's the moment where you, you get into trouble because you're you're, you're chasing something that is that is that you can't you, you can't catch up to. There are so many people who would love to be the next John Feinstein or the next Jack McCallum or the next Susan Orlean or, or, or whomever. But, you know, if you if you get so obsessed about chasing that path, you're not going to be the best version of who you of who you can be. So it's but, yeah, I, I'm with you. I would love to be in a position like Jeff where, you know, every two years you write a you write an amazing book and it, it, it and it gets a lot of attention and a lot of completely justified praise. But, you know, that, that's not everyone's going to get not everyone's going to get on that boat. Very few people are. I think I, I don't you know, I'm trying to think I don't mean who I, I don't how many Jeff Perlman's are there. How many John Feinstein's are there? They're very, you know, it, just just by saying that there are very few, you know, it's not it's yeah. it's it's not a, it's not a cottage industry, you know, it, it, and that's and that's probably for the best, because, again, like, you know, I I can't imagine, you know, a bunch of people writing these meaty biographies that require 800 interviews. It's it's not for everybody. I think most people would burn out or or decide to pursue the priesthood if they if they wanted to go in that direction. So, (laughs) yeah, the the whole the whole thing about, you know, having like, you know, I reading the acknowledgments of Perlman's Bo Jackson book, especially. And it's just like he interviewed 700 people for Mm -hmm. it. And, and, you know, and then and that's a certain standard that I think people like us kind of will hold hold ourselves to. And and that's kind of the, one of the details that only people like us really notice. And mm-hmm. and so you kind of hold yourself to that standard. Like, oh, my God, for this book I'm writing, I need to interview hundreds and hundreds of people to show that I did the work. And, yeah. you know, it's it is it is a nice benchmark to get as many voices as possible because it leads it leads to serendipity. You, you'll hear things that you didn't even see coming. Uh, but sometimes you can get just as much out of 200 or 150 or maybe you just don't have time to interview 700 people. And that's OK. No, it's it's look, I mean, you, you spoke to Wudan Yan a few a few weeks ago and she mentioned that whole fallacy of reporting to the ends of the earth. And, and sometimes that's required. Absolutely. I think. But sometimes you don't need that much and you can absolutely overreport and you can absolutely get so bogged down in details that you lose the main thread of the story. Years ago, I was talking to somebody who talked about working with someone at the Washington Post who was just an incredibly efficient, uh, efficient sports writer where they could just interview two or three people and get and those were the best people. They always had the best source, the best quotes, the best anecdotes, the best revelations. And that writer was David Remnick, who now is the editor of The New Yorker. And he was Mm. he had this incredible knack, according to this person I spoke to. I don't remember who it was to just get the best out of the fewest number of sources. So you're right. There's no, there's no law that says you have to interview, you know, 500 people or 300 people, or even 200 people. I know, I know with your Prefontaine book, you're up to how many interviews now? 60, 65. That's, that's a, that's a really healthy number. And if, and if 65 or 75 or 85 is the number to get the best book possible, that's, that's more than enough. 
you know, that's something to be proud of. Yeah, I have a problem of of holding myself to that to that number of quantity being quality. And I think to to a certain extent that is true when doing trying to do a, a juicy biography, yeah. but it's but the guy died when he was twenty four. Right. You know, in nineteen seventy five. You know, he lived a very short life. He did influence and, uh, and yeah, influence a lot of people, and he left an impression on a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And uh, but also, I also have a pretty short runway. And if I had another year, yeah, maybe I do get to two hundred, three hundred in that neighborhood. But at what point would I just be circling myself? Because some of the conversations I've had, I when I go and be like, you know, who else should I talk to? I'd be like, talk to. X, Y, and Z. I'm like, oh, cool. I've, you know, I've already spoken to them at least once. And so I'm getting a lot of repeat already in, in that. So that's validating in one sense, but also like, you know, you still want to, you still want to find some of those less interviewed people. Some of the people you ran against in high school who might've beaten them in high school who have never been on the record. And they're some of the people who are the most excited to talk and uh, who have given some of the most illuminating anecdotes that have been, uh, they're just kind of like tickled to be, folded into the prefontaine lore where other people have ignored them yeah no it's it's the people that are in the margins are always are always the best you know and then i've i've talked about this a bunch but people will always ask me with the book well oh who is the most exciting person or the best person you spoke to in 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 reporting and i think they always expect me to say like, to say julius irving or, or george gervin or you know some some basketball player that they remember from from their childhood but it's always somebody who they've never heard of it's always the administrative assistant you know who worked two years in the nba offices or or somebody who worked for the denver nuggets for 15 years it's it's and and you know and those people you're right they 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 never no one ever bothers to talk to them about them because they're not quote-unquote stars they're not bold-faced names and you know, those are the best people to talk to because they haven't told their stories ad nauseum. They're not indifferent to a reporter's questions. You know, they're not they're, they're not going to just rehash the same old anecdotes. So, yeah, it's it's great. And those those quotes, those stories are always what make make the narrative sing. I think it's, it's you know, I don't know. I'm sure you'll talk to Phil Knight. I'm sure you'll talk to some other people who, you know, are are quote unquote big names. But I'm sure the best quotes will be from. That writer from sorry, that runner who ran against Prefontaine when he was a junior in high school, or you know, or whomever. It's it's, I mean, those are the people that that make up uh, the fabric of a, of a life, you know. And it's not just not just the people that everyone everyone's read about uh, in the sports paper. I love being I love being in that in that discovery process. I just finished a a, a big feature, and it was it, that was. The, the such the the big fun of it was just to get those little nuggets and string them together and you know it's just again you know one pearl isn't isn't much but you you get a whole bunch of them they turn into a mighty fine necklace and that's that's the that's what I love about reporting and digging is that you you get enough pearls and you 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 can create something that's pretty remarkable and that's really all that it is it's just it's all reps I remember the first time writing you know long long going quote unquote long form. And writing, you know, 2000 words, 2000 words. And, and it felt like I was, you know, climbing Everest on my hands and knees. And it's it the more that you do it, the easier it gets. And it becomes a job, you know, it becomes like, OK, well, I need to get a thousand words today because, you know, I have X, Y and Z to do tomorrow. I have these things to do. And, you know, when when it 
when you're able to find that balance between it being a passion and a profession, that's when you you really hit the sweet spot. Um, and I mean, you've done this for so long. It, it'll it, it's innate now. I would think with with you with a lot of writers, it's just okay. This is what I do. I get up, I write, then you know, I I I, I repeat the next day. But it's yeah, but it's exciting. I'm, I'm so eager to read the book, and I'm sure it's going to be great. And you clearly clear, you clearly care about the subject too, which is just you know, it's it's it'll show it'll show on the page and and that's it's you know it's it's this is this is the good times and i'm you know i it may not sound it may not feel like it but it's going to be great oh thanks man yeah it's uh what what's been what's been especially cuz i i do get like the 3 a.m. the 3 a.m. voice uh and knocks on my door and it's uh <laughs> almost every night and it's one of those things where and I have started the writing to some extent because that deadline is close, but it's also my editor is just like, you know, you do want to start some of the writing because you want to see where some of the holes are mm-hmm. and see where the pot, I, I call it like laying down road and seeing where potholes emerge. And that way, re-reporting certain things, you can go back far more targeted. Um, but still, some things in my head are just a bit mushy. Like I can't see the. St- I like to sometimes be able to see the structure in my head, right? And then and then proceed. But everything now, st- it still seems very, yeah, just soft and mushy. And it's it's sometimes hard to. There there used to be these toys in the eighties. It was like a a rubber tube. It looked like a worm, and you would never played with one of those, and you would like squeeze it. And it would kind of mm-hmm. you couldn't get your grip on it because it would kind of like squeeze out either the top of your hand or the bottom of your hand. It was just like, you, and that's kind of what the structure of the book feels to me right now. And sometimes it can be hard to <laughs> report and to write or just to, just to even start working because you just can't. Like I sometimes have a hard time vi- envisioning it and having a having a better map. I feel I, I just need a better map, and I'm still forming the map. And I think once that map is yeah properly written out so to speak i'll be able to really get some momentum i think i think once you go through the transcripts it'll it'll start to it'll it'll, it'll start to solidify like once you hold the transcripts in your hand and start highlight this works for me you start highlighting and writing notes i mean it just it's it all starts to come together but yeah i mean it, it's but it's you know it's it's mushy but it's better than it it's better than it there not being anything right. You know, if you, if you if you if you were thinking, if you thought to yourself, well, what do I have? And your mind was a blank, <laughs> that would be a big problem. Right. But you have you have something you have something that's you know that's that's nebulous and 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 coming into and coming into shape, which is good. That's a good thing. It's it's you know it's a it's a big deal to write something this big and to have and to write and to have all these ideas and to try to and to try to corral them uh, into, into one tube of thought that makes its way to the reader. It's, 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 a, it's, a, it's, it's, it's exciting, but it's also fun and, and a little scary. And it's, yeah, I mean, this is what we, this is what we all kind of, you know, spend our lives trying to do. And it's, it's great that you get a chance to do it again. I mean, I, I would love to write another book and I hope I get to do it soon to, to just, you know, to just keep at it. It's, it's the, the challenge. It's, it's such, it's such a wonderful, scary, <laughs> lovely challenge and I, I i don't i don't know if there's a better way to describe yeah, it yeah yeah it certainly is it is terrifying and you know especially when you're talking to people that have spoken on the record a, a bit and uh and a lot of people i talk to be like oh, i don't know how you're going to come up with anything new that hasn't already been said and i haven't run into any adversarial people only one um but 
of the dozens of people I've interviewed, most people are more than happy to talk, and they're really happy to, for the most part, because they want to yeah. honor Steve's legacy. Uh, you know, it's 50 right. years since he died, and he still matters, and they're happy to, you know, try to go down memory lane and sometimes dig up more memories that they almost never knew existed. Uh, but yeah, yeah. it's, uh, but it is, it is, it is, it is, uh, it is scary sometimes to, to be like, all right, I gotta, you gotta corral all this information. You gotta make it coherent and you gotta make it feel fresh. And that's, um, you know, that's, uh, that's always the, the challenge when retreading, uh, a subject matter, be it, a you know, uh, Jonathan, I going with Martin Luther King. I haven't read that book, but I mean, mm -hmm. he ran into those challenges. Like what more can be said about MLK? And he wrote a gigantic biography and he found a way. Yeah. Yeah. There's always, a, I mean, there's always a way. I, I think there's, there's always a way to, to cover something differently. There's always a way to, to write about something differently. And, you know, again, I mean, I'm sure you've, I'm sure, you know, when you, when you pitch this book and you, 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 you thought about it for forever about how to portray him, what, what the media had gotten wrong. It's, it's, that's, there's always a way to make something, make something your own. And it, it's, that's, again, that's part of the whole beautiful, horrible, nauseating challenge <laughs> of it is, is to try and make it your own and make it something that's worthwhile for readers with anything, any, any topic. Yeah. Yeah. And when I was talking to, um, off mic, you know, I occasionally talk with Bronwyn Dickey. Uh, she's kind of like a cheerleader yeah. in my corner. Sometimes we, we talk, uh, at length and, uh, in the first conversation we had, you know, she was like, you know, it doesn't have to be like the book, uh, the book of record on him. It just has to be the next one in the river. You know, you're standing on the shoulders of people yeah. who have written about him before, and then maybe down the road, someone will stand on your shoulders and find uh, other things. Like you don't have to be the yeah. be all end all. It's just like you are, you're just putting your particular stamp on this story at this moment in time. And I was like, okay, that's that's a really astute way of think framing it. No, yes, it, that's. I mean, that's it's a that's a wonderful way to look at it, and and. There's there's one there's a quote that I always go back to. It's um, you may have heard it, but it's uh, it's from Megan Dom, who's an essayist, and she wrote once, and I, I I've never forgotten this quote. She she wrote, in the history of the world, there's never been a complete story told. That has always made me feel. That's always been a, a comfort to me because you're never going to get the entire complete story on something. So it's it's that's always been a comfort to me because it's. Well, you know, I can't tell the whole story. It's it's impossible, but it's also a way to tell another side of the story. So, yeah, I mean, it, it, it's what what she said was very spot on, and it's I think Glenn Glenn Stout mentions on this on the show. I Me, mean, you can control your effort, and that's that's what it comes down to. If you can write the best possible book and put the most you can into it, that's all that you can do. In uh, emails that you uh, that we bandy back and forth, I loved what you, you know, said about you know just talking about the experience of having written your first book and then you were seeing mm -hmm. as you know the the progress from either one to the next or whether you get to write one again you're like you're seeing it as a continuum not a condemnation i would love for you to just like kind of run with that a little more because that was such a great way of framing you know the headspace you're you're at yeah you know i thought that writing i thought that writing a book would sort of just you know be a life-changing thing and it really isn't it's really about another set of experiences that you use to build your career, to build your career uh, going forward. And that's what, that's the key with anything, any piece of writing. I, I'm no longer under the impression that anything that I write is going to stop the world in its tracks 
and get the you know get all the 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 kids in the world to hold hands and sing kumbaya it's to me it's about learning what i can do to keep doing this because this is not this is a very very precarious uh, profession there were a lot of times in my life where i didn't think i'd be writing at all um there were times where i thought i was done with this and i was gonna be doing something else I am very, very fortunate to keep doing this. And I look at each thing that I do, whether it's a book, whether it's a Q&A, whether it's a lengthy, uh, a lengthy profile or whatever, it's a learning opportunity. It's an opportunity to get better. And with a book, it's the same thing. You know, a book isn't, isn't, like, isn't a gold star. It isn't a, it doesn't make you better or, um, or special it's another opportunity to, to, to learn, to get better. And it's an opportunity to, to continue your career. So that's how I look at it. I mean, I, I used to think that writing a book was just sort of, Oh, well, it's going to be this. And it's going to be that. It's going to be such a special occasion. And it really isn't. It's, it's a, it's an opportunity to, to apply what you've learned to write something to the best of your ability. And it's also an opportunity to get better. And I think that's how I look at it now with everything. And I think it's made me, a happier, more well, more well-adjusted person. Um, I don't know if any writer is ever at that point, but for me, it's 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 been yeah. The book, in a lot of ways, is like it's a really good business card, you know. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I I have a, I have a theory that every time you write something, you get a key, and that key unlocks a door, but you don't know what door it's going to unlock, and you don't know when that when that key is going to work and i think i think when you write a book it is it is very much like a business card and i think it's also like getting like three or four sets of keys that may open a door to something else or may not and you have to just keep keep trying like there's not nothing is really is nothing is given to you i think when you write something i think there's i always had this expectation that if you wrote for a high profile place that that was going to be a calling card or a springboard to something and in many cases, it's not. It's just it's another business card. It's another key that you can use that you, you can put in your key ring to try and open a few more doors. And that that's you know that's that that attitude sort of helped me. I know it sounds very you know very it's very uh, it's a very reductionist way to look at it, but it's 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 really helped me because it's it's given give some order to what can be kind of an unstable business sometimes. Oh, for sure. And I, I think taking it even a step farther is it's a key to open up a door for you. And then as you elevate your sort of uh, your levels of responsibility to the community at large, it's a way for you to leave the door open for someone else maybe coming up behind you also. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I, 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 that, I mean, I'm a big fan of, of, of paying it forward or, or providing advice. I mean, it's, it's, uh, because God knows I'm, st- I, I've gotten so much about, uh, so much help from other writers and, I still do. So it's, so yeah, I mean, if, if I can save someone some grief and, and provide a shortcut, I'm happy to do it. I, I don't, there, there's no, there's no downside to it. I, I really do think that this is a, a business, an industry that's building camaraderie and it's, it's built on, on, on relationships. And I, and it's, it's always been, it's been always been my belief that the best writers are always the ones who are not assholes. Like, you know, yeah. I've, you know, David Grant, not an asshole. Susan Arlene, not an, like, they're all generous, thoughtful people who 
are who will happily lend a hand um, to a, to a rider with a question or who's confused. And I, 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 I like to do that. Um, you know, I like, I would like to be someone who can, you know, help out, help out when possible. Um, and if I have the more, and as you put it so eloquently, the more keys I have, the more doors I can open for someone to get in. So they're not spending, you know, a year or two banging on a door, <laughs> you know, uh, in future, in futility. Now, I, I, I think, you know, there, are, there's a way to, ask this question some people might ask all right so you did you know you've got the the one book in in your back pocket and some people might be like all right you know what how would you approach it differently and i think that's that's not a not a a valuable question i think the better thing is like what lessons did you learn from doing from hang time to prime time that you're like you're eager to sort of deploy for you you know for you for your follow-up when that chance arises that's a good question I, you know there are a couple there are many things you know i would love to I would spend more time making sure the prose is right. Um, I would spend more time just being careful. I think I was so obsessed with trying to hit the deadline that it almost it, it became very. Um, I, I I didn't take the time to make the prose as tight as it mm-hmm. could be to make the prose sing the way it should. Um, I'm very happy with the book. I mean, this is not a knock against the book. I think the book is, I'm proud of the book. I think the book will hold yeah, up. It's, a, it's a, um, such a fun I'm book. I'm happy yeah. with it. Thank you. But, um, but are there way, are, could the book, could the book have been cleaner, leaner, more accurate? Absolutely. And I think that's what I talk about. When I talk about a team, that's what I mean is that you, I'm, you, I learned things from that book that I will carry on with my own writing in smaller outlets and when I write a second book, and one one thing will be to take the time to make the prose right, um, and that's the advantage of when you write quickly, you can you can take the time to go back and read and tweak. Um, I should have been more I should have been more careful on that side. I also would have leaned more on the people around me, meaning I would have had people read chapters after I read them. I would have had I would have hired um, I would have hired fact checkers because fact checking a book that size with that many interviews and references on my own was, was a lot. So I w I would have loved to have a second pair of eyes on that. I know that you interviewed an author recently, yeah, Michael Finkel, who said that, he yeah. Spend, yeah, who's, he spends what, like, five, I think it's between, I think want to say five and 8,000 for a good fact yeah, checker. Yeah, he used two on his um, latest book too. Cause yeah. Yeah. Which is crazy. Yeah. Uh, I'm not sure I can do that, but I'm sure I can hire somebody who can, you know, at least help me in, 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 in some of the, in some of the more information packed places. So those are, I mean, those are the two big lessons, which or, or three big lessons would be to just, would be to just to take my time and to just, you know, really put my effort into more of my effort into it and more of my resources into it. Because look, I mean, if you're writing a book, you're not doing this to make money. I mean, some, I mean, a lot of people do, but I think for a lot of people, they're, they're, they're you know, money really isn't the, the end goal here. I think the, 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 the end goal is to have a business card or to have a product that you can present to the world to say, Hey, I can do this. And here's, here's, here, here's my output. Um, so I would have, I probably would have put a little bit more money into making sure that I had the best possible product out there. I know that sounds very MBA ish and very, um, you know, uh, very dry and practical, but I think, there's there's a practical side to this that I think needs to be approached. I mean, yeah, you should be creative and you should be inventive when you write anything, but there's also a point, there's also a part of any 
any writing where you need to be a business person and you need to think about, okay, well, how can this be better in very practical, pragmatic ways? Um, so I would definitely, you know, you, I would definitely, I, so I definitely, so the approaches that I have with the, with book two, if I write a second book are definitely more pragmatic and more scheduling and more about, about making the product better and using, and using time efficiently. So, yeah, I mean, it, it's the style stuff is the stuff that me my style is my style and I'll, you know, I'm constantly working on making that better, but the thing, the lessons from the book that I, that I keep coming back to are, are, are very much the drab day-to-day practical, uh, practical applications. And I think I've heard Seth Godin say something to the effect of as freelancers or independent contractors, whatever, you know, we tend to be the worst bosses of ourselves. And, you know, Oh, yeah, cool. like if we had a boss like this at a normal at a different company, we, we'd find a new job. Um, so so it's like so so for you over the years, and especially maybe since since uh, since you're writing the book as well as you're freelancing and and so forth. And, you know, how have you learned to be a better boss to yourself? Yeah, I mean that is that's really true. And for the longest time, I was the shittiest boss imaginable. <laughs> Like I would just, you know, I would just, I would just stare at my computer screen and just try to will words to come up on the screen and try to get something done. It was just such an, a, a fruitless endeavor. Um, I, I will tell you one thing, how, how I've been a better boss is that I've, I, I've been, I mean, this happened about 10, 10 years ago is that I, I, I got into therapy and that really mm-hmm. helped because I needed to slow down. I needed to talk to someone other than my wife, uh, or, um, or whatever I was comfortable telling my parents. So I, so I, so finding, getting real about the fact that I needed to speak with someone, I needed to be, um, better with myself and seeking therapy and, and eventually taking antidepressants was a huge help. And I, I, I can't stress this enough. If anyone out there is feeling overly stressed or, or constantly pressured or harried, it's okay to ask for help. Like you don't have to gut through it. And for the longest time I tried to gut through those feelings. And it was a lot like using scotch tape and uh, paper clips to, you know, fix a broken leg. It, it, it was, it was, it was horribly ineffective and even damaging. And I think, that ties into the second point, which is I'm not treating this as, as some sort of, um, you know, running, run the, fa- running the phalanx Coliseum, uh, 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 Col- Coliseum fighting the lion, hmm. uh, thing. I mean, it's, I'm putting words on a page, you know, I'm, I'm not, I'm not diffusing bombs. So I've, I've kind of, I kind of put things in perspective and, and I take breaks I try to take a lot of breaks. If I'm not up to doing something, I don't do it. And I think also helping what has also helped matters is having a family, having a child, because, you know, that child looks, looks at me, my, or my daughter, our daughter, I should say, looks at me as, as a, as a model to live there, to, to, to find their way in the world, to live in the world. And I can't do that if I'm a stark raving um, lunatic. Because I can't, because you know, someone didn't accept my pitch, or I can't get the sentence right. So, it's a it's a matter of just of just getting out of the shell, and that means 
that means that means visiting people, talking on the phone, ma maintaining a human connection because that gets very easily lost in 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 freelance writing because you're, I'm by myself all day. You know, I'm I'm in an office and you know it can get a little uh, it can, it can get a little um, Jack Torrance in The Shining um, if I don't watch my steps. So I try and be I try and just practice self care and self compassion and I try to remember that my actions and what I'm doing don't affect me anymore. They, they affect my wife, they affect my daughter. Um, and they, I also have a circle of family and friends who care about me. So I don't want to be, I don't want to make their lives harder. And that's something that took me far, far too long, uh, to realize. Mm. Yeah. That's, uh, yeah, that I, I imagine that once you surrendered to that, it, um, it, it kind of opened things up for you in ways you're like, Oh wow. It, it doesn't have to be this difficult anymore. No, it, it doesn't. And that was the thing. I, I always used to think that pressure was a gift mm -hmm. that, okay, well, if I, if I always assume that I'm one false move away from, from disaster, or I'm, if I, if I get complacent, I'm going to set myself up for a Tony Montana like fall once I realized that I didn't need that pressure, that that pressure was just imaginary, that I didn't need that to do a good job. It really, it really opened my eyes. It, you know, it, it's, and I'm still dealing with that. You know, I'm never, I'm never going to be a hundred percent worry free. And I think it's, and that's the same thing with writing. Like I'm never going to be a perfect writer. I'm never going to be, I'll be, you know, I'll be the good, the best writer I can be, but I'm never going to be perfect. I'm never going to be worry free. I'm never going to, you know, be a happy go lucky, uh, Sprite, <laughs> but I can work on being the happiest version of myself. And I think when I realized that I, a lot of the work didn't be, didn't seem, didn't, the work became less, less, um, burdensome. And I think my wife was happier with that. I think my daughter was happier with that. And, and I, and by extension, I'm happier because of that. So yeah, like it, it it's, you know, it was, it was important to get, it was important to get that clarity. And I got, I got it in the nick of time. Well, that's, yeah, that, that's, that's great to hear. And it's great to hear you on the other, other side of that, realizing, you know, the, the possibility of, uh, of, of the, that, that next, that next chapter, getting through that, those brackish waters and getting to the, to the fresh side is, uh, yeah, it's, yeah. That, that's great to hear. No, I, I appreciate that. No, I, I, I mean, I couldn't have written a book. I couldn't have written the book without mm -hmm. therapy. I mean, I couldn't have written the book if, if I hadn't taken care of taking care of myself and, you know, or try to take care of myself. And I mean, yeah, if I had gotten this book deal when I was 25 or 26, that would have been a major problem. I think I think it would have affected my life and not in a not in a positive way. So if I sound a little kumbaya, kumbaya ish, a, a little or a little Pollyanna ish it's, it's with good reason because I, I think, you know, I'm, I'm still trying to figure out what works best for me and, and what, what I can do to, you know, enjoy the work that I'm doing and be passionate about it without being, without being, without working myself into a, into a lather. Again, that's, that's a, that's a continuous process. It, I don't think it's for me, at least it, it's, it's going to be something that I have to, I have to monitor. And, you know, the fact that I get to, to do that and, you know, have a happy family and, and do what I love. I mean, it's a gift. And I try to look at it. I try to look at it that way. And I love in our correspondence, uh, you know, how you, how you wrote that, 
you know, the the chance to get better excites me to no end. And yeah, oh, yeah. and I, I really love that sentiment. And I, I wonder what you would identify as things that uh, you feel like you can continually get get better at and tighter at and maybe things that on this day, you know, you are far better than you were, uh, you know, five years ago or even 10 years ago. I don't know. It's everything. I, I you know, I. Yeah. I don't know if there's really one thing that I need to get better at. I feel like I have to get I, feel like I, have, to get, I have to get better at everything. Yeah. I have to write tighter sentences. I have to, you know, not not rely on on quotes. I have to, you know, make sure that every every fact that comes in is 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 verified and and it's everything. I, I, that doesn't bother me because I think it's such a gift to be in an occupation that's never boring. Yeah. I don't know. I can't really think of a I'm sure Someone will say, well, you know, you, you still use block quotes or, oh, you should stop using butts in the word button leads. And, and I, I I'm sure I'm sure that'll come. But <laughs> to me, it's just I, I feel like I can get better at everything. And I feel like that's the that's the, that's such the that's such that's such the joy of writing is to be in that position where you can always figure out something new about yourself and, and try to improve. That's the beauty yeah. of it. I I. You know, and that's the thing. I think the moment that I say, well, you know, I'm as good as I can be. I think that's it. I think then that's that's I should find something else. And that's why I love working with really good editors who can show me who can show me things or who can reveal um, uh, who can reveal shortcomings or or uh, or things that I've missed. It's it's a gift. I mean, if, so that's why I want to I want to work with really good editors, because, you know, it's like it's like going it's like taking a master class and. I never want to be in the position where I just, I just say stet to every suggestion an editor has. I mean, I think when I get to that point, when I get to the point where I don't want to improve, that's when I'll be, that's when I will be, I'll be very, very concerned. Um, but I'm not at that point yet. So that's good. I, I think I have a little more time. Yeah. yeah and I, the thing is about uh, improvement and skill development is that it, it's so, it's so fluid that you almost don't recognize when you've gotten better. It's just if you're doing it right and you're just learning little by little and you're writing a little by little and you're interviewing a little by little every single day, over five years, over 10 years, suddenly you're like, oh, I'm I'm, actually, I'm pretty good at this. I can still get better. But it's it's not like on one day you're you're you know, you are mediocre and then on Tuesday, you were, you were, you were great. It happens. It's like evolution. It just, it happens very slowly by natural selection. And it, it happened. Yeah, you're absolutely right. It happens over years and years and years. And it also, it is so gradual. And I think that's why a lot of people get frustrated with writing because it's, they think they want to, they think they, they want to be good right out of the box. They want to be terrific and write these crisp, wonderful sentences or they want to write these long elaborate paragraphs that um that that fall like streamers on a parade and it's it's just it takes a lot of work to get there it's it's the progress is so slow it can that's why it turns off so many people because they want they want to be good right away and i i'm the same way i i i don't think you know i'm 45 i don't have i don't really have a lot of time to get better at something i want if i'm sorry something i want to be good at right away and that impa- that impatience is can 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 kill you. I don't I don't blame anyone who who doesn't want to do this because it's it's not fun. I mean, it's not fun to rethink five years ago and and be like, oh yeah, I'm slightly better than than I was. I'm slightly better now than I was in two thousand and eighteen. Yeah. <laughs> um, but that's I I don't know. But that's 
that's what makes it, I just, the fact that, that it is, you can see that improvement with time and, and, and investment. That is, that is, that, that is the juice for me. I, I love to see that, but yeah, I can, I can absolutely understand why someone just doesn't want to be bothered with it because yeah, it's, it's not, it's not, it's not automatic. It's not, it's not instantaneous, but I don't know, maybe it is, maybe I'm, maybe I'm not good. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm not as good as I thought I was at this. <laughs> It's such a lengthy process that I can I can absolutely understand why people don't want to do this. But I, I'm I'm in it for the long haul. I love it, and I, I yeah, I'm I'm in love with the whole process of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. It's uh, it's it's one of those things where you know if if you feel like you need to like if you're getting in shape, you feel like you need to you know drop drop some fat off your frame just to take some weight off your joints and stuff. To be told that, mm-hmm. you know, try to lose like a half a pound a week for a year. The thing is, you're not going to really feel that coming off your body. But like in a year's time, that'll be 26 pounds. And you'd be like, wow, exactly. that is a lot. You know, in a in a blink, that's a lot. But over the course of time, you don't really feel it. But the end product is there. And you're like, oh, I'm objectively a bit leaner and I'm, I'm feeling a bit better. But it, you, you almost want it to be like the weight vest like i just want this to be ripped off me and so i can feel the the, how good it feels right away but you really just have to be so Mm -hmm. incrementally disciplined and focused and then yeah over time suddenly you notice like oh yeah my the way i might be asking questions the way it might be guiding an interview the way i might be constructing a a sentence might just get a bit more efficient they i just more active i naturally write in the active voice so down the road, I'm not going to have to worry about trimming all those helping verbs. They they just kind of naturally edit out of my head and into my fingertips. But that comes through 15 years of doing it every day. Yeah, and it comes also through 15 years of reading yeah. every day. Of of you know, okay, reading writers who are better than I am. Okay, and 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 it never stops. It never ever stops. And some people might might see see that as a death sentence but i see that as again as a as a wonderful way to make a living because it's never boring you know you're always there's always a different way to get better there's always a different way to challenge yourself and that's that to me that's fun for me some people might 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 hear that and think oh god this is i you know i'd rather do anything else but i i love that and and the way that you explained it with 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 you know, losing a half a pound every week. That's a, that's exactly what it's like. It's, it's very, it's very disciplined. It's very painstaking. Um, but the fact that I don't look at it that way is, you know, that's the key. I think if you look at it as, okay, well you and you alone can control how you can control how good you become at this. I think that's, that to me is the fun of it. And I don't look at it as, as really as work. Um, but it, it, it is work. I mean, it, but I, I don't, I never see it that way. Do you, I mean, do you see it? Do you see it as work? No, I, I see it as, as study, you know, as film yeah. study. You know, I think of great football coaches or quarterbacks who are just, they have, they have some ta- like no matter how much talent or intelligence they have, that they, they're really wedded to hitting play and rewind, hitting play and rewind on the mm-hmm. tape. And, and, and so I, I, I think with just uh, the rigor of study and understanding why something is happening and then seeking inspiration elsewhere, like uh, I'm a longtime Patriots fan, grew up in New England, and so say what you mm-hmm. will about Belichick, but he's willing to learn from the college game to, you know, so yeah. he turned his eye to a different 
a, a different area of study to to get better at the at the program. Andy Reid is the same way. It, these guys right. uh, are are open to continual education and study, uh, you know, be it football and for us, be it as b- becoming a better reader and a better writer. It uh, it's always it's constantly evolving, and I think that's it's it's great, and it's just to uh, turn our turn our eyes to new voices, uh, to. Uh, to other areas that that challenge our own reading and cha- challenge how how we've historically read. Like let's read some other world experience or native writers, black writers. What's how are mm-hmm. you know how how are those how are they metabolizing their experiences and conveying that on the page? And wow, like that that just makes you a better person overall. Speak nothing of being a better writer. Absolutely. I mean, you you isn't you have a to me. I look at writing as a it's a and I. I think I've I've probably belabored this point, but it's it's just the it's just the constant opportunity to improve, and you know and you're right. I mean it's it's to look beyond your own experience and to look beyond your own your own mental framework. I mean that's that's a huge opportunity, and and it's something that I I like to do. I mean I'm a big fan of my whole my whole goal is okay. Well, I want to read writers who don't look like me. You know I I don't yeah. want to read so straight white men. I want to try and broaden that and read people with different backgrounds and different perspectives. And, and that makes you, yeah, again, it makes you a better, a better writer and you hope a better person. And it's, again, that's why it's very hard for me to give, I can't see myself giving this up because it's the chance to learn, the chance to be surprised, the chance to, to, to do something that you felt was beyond your reach. I don't think many occupations, afford those opportunities, but I don't know. I'm not willing to try because I, <laughs> I like doing this too much. Um, even, even something, even something as boring as, you know, writing, I don't know, writing trade magazine articles or, or editorials. It's the chance to do something new with that, to, to not to put a different spin on it. That's, that's, that's a, that's a cool thing. And not many jobs have that, you know, if you're working on an assembly line, like you can't, you can't really do that. So I, I'm very, again, I, I'm, I'm extremely lucky to be able to make a dollar and a dime doing this. And, you know, if I can become a halfway decent person out of it, even better. Um, but you know, the verdict is, the verdict is still out on that, I think, but we'll see. I have some <laughs> well, fantastic Pete. Well, this was, I'm so great. We were able to do this again on the mics and uh, yeah, I have one of these conversations that it kind of dives into just the everyday minutia of it. And, and, and in your experience right now, you know, being three years post your first book and you know, w- thinking of, uh, you know, what, what to do next and how to learn better, how to get better, learn better. I think this is a really, uh, uh, just a fertile conversation about uh you know this this sort of phase in the in the season of your writing career. So I'm so glad you're able to come on and share that. No, thank you. I hope I hope it was useful. I'm I'm always afraid of talking too much and and blathering on, but we'll see. Maybe as as they say, maybe you can fix it in post. So I don't like I don't sound like like too much of a <laughs> uh, uh, of a motor mouth. But no, this was great. Oh, very, very minimal fixing in post. And shit, I forgot to ask Pete for his recommendation for the listeners. Ah, my bad. Honestly, I have zero idea if people like that I ask that of guess, but I like it. Uh, thanks to Pete for coming back for his third trip to the podcast. We're somehow still doing this thing. 
I think my favorite part of that conversation was the idea of the gradual mastery. Like you're not bad, then good, then great. It's like you're bad, then you're less bad, and then mainly bad, but getting kind of good. And, and like a glacier melting on this hot, hot earth, it's just suddenly it's like, oh, okay, it's been receding, and then it's it's starting to gut the earth. Oh, you know, hold here, here, hold on. This is a better metaphor. Maybe it's like the growth of a mountain. Like a million years ago, that mountain was a little hill. But you take a snapshot right now, and it's like, oh, it's taller. Maybe only a little bit taller, even after a million years. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. But growing a centimeter a year isn't going to you know, change the skyline from year one to year two. Uh, but you, you, get, you, you get my drift, that it's that very slow, incremental change. It is geologic. Writing and improving is fucking geologic. I woke up this morning, and this is that thing that I teased in the at the top of the show. Uh, I, I woke up this morning with my God damn it. Okay, well, I, I woke up this morning with my usual 3 a.m. panic, uh, staring at the ceiling fan in the in the darkness wishing I was someone other than myself and starting uh, a, a writing project in my head I, a short essay it even started as a poem uh, but I've never written a poem in my life like I seriously I don't think I have like maybe when I was in high school like when you're told to but I, I think I yeah, it, when you're studying sonnets you're like write a sonnet and, anyway but I'm thinking it'd be more like a short essay flash essay uh, called um Peloton instructor, and it'll just be about my long-standing body image issues, which is not exactly something dudes talk about. You know, women be like, cry me a river, but I've long struggled with my body image, uh, face image, teeth image, and uh, I think I have a funny but potentially meaningful essay about body dysmorphia, and while also being mildly to uh, many times more than mildly annoyed by 29-year-old spin teachers giving me life lessons. Uh, thank you. Just tell me which way to turn the dial. I, 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 don't, I, don't, need, I don't need meaning. Uh, anyway, the point of this is maybe uh, this writerly detour, the side writing hustle to your main book. It might be a nice pressure release. Like, I'm overthinking the Prefontaine biography, and I'm sinking in the quicksand, man. And it's not that I'm being precious with words. It's that I'm in a constant state of high-level anxiety over uh, retreading or regurgitating what's already been said. Uh, have I drummed up enough new stuff? I have some new stuff, but is it enough? And capital letters, what is it I really want to say about the guy? I get to make that choice, and I struggle with feeling very much unworthy to make that determination. Like, who the hell am I to assert? But you need to be careful. Is is this or other SI ideas just a shiny new toy to distract you from what you really need to be doing? Or is it truly a good exercise? When Metallica was in the studio in the late aughts, they, they went on tour for a few months to get out of the studio. I think they even named that. They, they might have done like 10 shows or something. It might have been, might even be less. It, and I think it was literally getting out of the studio tour, get out of the studio. Sure, for them, it's far more complicated to just up and go on the road. Like, you know, they are an ocean liner to move. And I can't imagine the organization it takes to tour on that scale, how it fundamentally changes the economy of a city for an entire weekend. That's a point for it. To me, that's a fascinating 
story worth reporting is big band comes to town and the just think about it think about it really point is they needed a break um they get out of the studio and they play to their fans and if anything it was just a, a creative break but a way to connect with the people that they're trying to serve ultimately that's what they're about and any good band any good artist so anyway so maybe an essay or two short essay, short story fiction a poem a painting it might be a way to refresh your cup of coffee. Like, I always love it when the server is patrolling the diner and I'm like, I can see them moving. I'm like, oh, are they going to come gonna come over to my table and ask me if I want more coffee? And then she comes over, or he, or they, I don't know. And they're like, do you want more coffee? And, and I'm already buzzed and I've like peed four times. And, uh, and I'm like, yeah, fuck yeah, please. Then. Thank you. Please, more coffee. Stay, stay wild. Stay caffeinated, CNFers. And if you can't do interview, see ya. <laughs> <laughs>